Oh, well, after just the brutal, brutal, long and tiring off-season that we've had to experience, <laughs> the Premier League is just around the corner, finally. We have a season coming up. We have a motley crew of Alex Level, Andrew Ainsworth, and Will Caves uh, on the discussion tonight. We have You'll Never Talk Alone. Hi, I'm your friend Joseph Craven. This is the start of this brand new season on the podcast. Brand new season uh, in the Premier League itself. Brand new season. First season as defending Premier League champions. That's right. Liverpool still champs. We may not have had much of an offseason to actually celebrate it, but we've been celebrating and we get this entire next season to continue reveling um, as the defending champions. So here is our opportunity to jump into some of the discussions uh, that just surround the start of yet another season. Uh, Some teams breaking the bank to bring in transfers. Liverpool... Not, and whether that matters much. (laughs) We lost our debit card. (laughs) We're waiting on the new one to come in, but, you know, freaking Barclays won't give it to us. All right, Um, talk about our our longstanding tradition of uh, each predicting the teams that we think will get relegated and then forgetting to ever revisit whether any of our predictions are correct. Um, It's just what we do on the podcast. But it's going to be a good little preview uh, start of the season episode as we lead up to our kickoff on Saturday against, I mean, one of like the darling Cinderella team's uh, stories to come out of the sport in a little while and lead. So, without further ado, let's jump right into it, gentlemen. Who wants to go first? Raise your hand here on our video call that we're recording on for who would like to volunteer to, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. All right, (laughs) so the first question that we really have to grapple with um. As being in, in unprecedented, I'm sorry I even said that word in 2020, being in, in brand new waters as defending Premier League champions, something that uh, is a brand new luxury to us, I guess the first question we have to address is with Liverpool, I mean, what are the expectations for this season? Obviously, over the past couple of years, being contenders, last year being the fastest team to ever clinch a title, um, the, you know, the questions surround, okay, can we repeat? What are the expectations? What would constitute like a, a failure, um, of a season, you know, that sort of thing, what would constitute success? So, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the traditional, um, order of starting things off and jump over to Alex level. Um, but Alex expectations for the year, what do you think it, are the expectations for Liverpool this season? We want to be challenging on both fronts. That is the expectation. We've won the Champions League. We've won the Premier League. Now the expectation is, can we win them both in the same season? And, well, that's not really an expectation. That's more of a question asked of the squad. The expectation is that we can win both of those in the same season. The expectation is for us to be the favorite in both competitions and to be as dominant as we have been. I mean, it's going to be hard to follow up a season of just absolute devastation that we had in the league and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a stretch to have everyone just be as absolute garbage as they were last season but we have to keep our levels we have to keep our intensity and we have to evolve because teams will start to figure out exactly what we want to do and how we want to do it and we want we need to grow beyond that and not let them get in our way when uh, i guess if you want to call it plan a or strategy one or like the, the first thing in the table of contents of the book that you get when you sign for Liverpool, uh, when that's not necessarily working because teams are packing the flanks or sitting deep, which we kind of figured out how to do, but how to get around, but especially packing the flanks and cutting off Trent and Andy. So that will be the expectation is for us to still be as good as we have been as and, and as impressive as we have been. Uh, and the big question will be based on, the actions we've taken this summer uh, and how the squad is because it's incredibly hard to maintain those levels. Can we do it again? So lots of intrigue. Be sure to tune into Peacock, <laughs> not on regular TV, on streaming only to watch it all unfold. Ding. Um, yeah, 
Andrew, how about if, if, if Alex is talking about like what the expectations might be, um, when you look at the season and you look at the, the weight um, that the team has to carry this year as uh, reigning champions, what would be enough to constitute a successful season, you think? What would be like the, the bare minimum to look back on the year and go, okay, well, I mean, that, that was fine, that was successful, like we're not upset. I mean, let's be honest, we're all sports fans, we're going to be pissed irrationally no matter what happens. We just are. It's what we do. But what would be something that like fans will look at afterwards and go, yeah, that was a good year. You know, bare minimum, that was a good year. What do you think it would be? Bare minimum would have to be similar to, I guess, two seasons ago now. Yeah. Where we were competing with Man City. We came up a few points short. One point. And then really a few centimeters short and then we won the champions league i mean that that season if if we had that again i'd be able to shrug it off and say like great season like we did what we needed to do we just couldn't cross the line but if we aren't at least competing for the premier league because we didn't you know if we have some injuries or because we didn't invest in the squad and we aren't winning it this year it's going to be a big issue Will, what do you think on the other side of that would constitute like, well, I mean, Andrew said, you know, a few things that would be a a big issue. What do you think is going to constitute us looking at it um, and say this season was just like a failure, even if we do pretty well, even if we, you know, are fairly competitive in some areas, what's going to still not be good enough, you think, in light of the high standards that we now uh, live under? Um, as a club and as, you know, Premier League champions. I just want to keep saying that over and over again. It sounds good to me every time I say Liverpool Premier League champions. So I'm going to keep doing it. But what do you think would be, uh, you know, just a failure of a year? So I think we define success really strangely now because we've won everything. Like there's not the ultimate goal for as long as I've been a fan is get you know, get a get a title, get a Premier League title, get a Premier League yeah. title. We've done that. And so, like, success is weird. Like, I kind of agree with Andrew that maybe we don't win number seven, but we at least go very deep in the Champions League. I think we have to get at least 90 points in the league and maintain our home unbeaten run. Uh, that's because that's like, it's going on. 45 years now or so uh <laughs> and i mean it, it that's a small thing but like assuming we don't win the champions league we don't win the league again maybe we don't sign a big name player from bayern munich you know something like that that's really something we can still hang our hat on so to lose that would be a big deal as well i just don't want to see us like descend into second perpetual second third place and mm-hmm. you know Champions League quarterfinal like that uh, we're we're better than that and I think I think we will be but that would be disappointing you know we just have if we don't have anything to play for like in April it's going to suck yeah yeah if there's just like nothing going on obviously that would be frustrating for anyone that's considered to be one of the you know top 6 teams in general but especially a team that is currently in not like coming out of but still currently in two to two and a half of the most impressive years that a team has had in the sport. I mean, winning Europe, following that up with just absolutely running rampant in the Premier League, you know, um, all of that sort of stuff going on for the past couple of years. um, It would be to see that drop off in any sort of drastic way seems like it would really be um, just absolutely devastating. Um, but I think at this point it's it's a weird luxury to have, right? The weird luxury of being able to say that like we can define success and failure on much more grander scales than than we did four years ago, you know, five years ago, as as recently as you know, just a few years back, where we were talking about. Success being, yeah, let's just make sure we can, you know, secure a top four Champions League spot. 
you know, that's where, you know, where we were. And uh, to be able to be past that um, and have those loftier expectations, it's a good place to be. It's These are good problems to have. Um, they still can be stressful problems to have, though. So I guess the question here is, um, we've kind of alluded a bit to uh, the lack of movement, transfer movement in particular, um, that we've seen, which isn't you know often surprising uh, with the way that our team does business. It's if we want somebody, we go really hard after that person. And if we don't want that person, we're not going to just go after some other like player, some similar player. Uh, that's not the, the strategy that we've employed. Um, so the question is, I guess, with some of that uh, lack of movement compared to some other teams that have made a lot of movement, Alex, um, it goes without saying that, um, you know, Manchester City and uh, and new acquisition Lionel Messi. Um, oh, wait, no, my bad. Uh, it goes without saying that, you know, always a team to look out for, but... Who are the other teams you think that are the uh, league competitors as we look into this next season, Alex? Uh, it's, I mean, it's definitely going to be Manchester City. They're going to be up there. I don't think they're going to be as sloppy as they were last season, um, although they haven't necessarily strengthened their most problem area. Sure, they've got... Nathan Ake back there now, but I mean... But is that really much of strengthening? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, he's just been subjected to just too many beatdowns at Bournemouth to maybe be whole. Um, and they still haven't locked up Koulibaly yet, which is good for everyone else. I mean, they've made some some acquisitions in the attacking front that would be good, but at some point they're going to have to figure out how to stop conceding. But they'll, they'll definitely be in the conversation. I mean, Chelsea have made some really smart moves. They've made some really big moves. They've got a whole new just attacking threat core that they're bringing to the table, and they might be without some of those players at first, but they'll be healthy, and we'll see how Lampard can... This is where we'll see how good of a coach Lampard actually is, because, I mean, you see some of the times where you say, well, oh, oh, anybody could win with that team of players, and that's not technically true. And then you have, you have to manage. It's a whole different type of management when you're dealing with players of that caliber rather than some some plucky youngsters, uh, even if they're highly rated. So I think those will be the main two challengers. Uh, I don't see anyone else really being an actual title contender outside of those two, and Chelsea is just kind of a, well, they've got it on paper, they're ready for it, but let's see how it actually looks in practice. Yeah. So those are the main two to work out. Um, I mean, now that Wolves are making, I mean, it's not Wolves, Portugal, uh, I believe <laughs> the Portuguese national team is looking pretty good this year in, in the league. They've made some good signs. They actually have some depth, because I know they don't tend, tend to use any players besides, like, the main 14 but they might be able to do that, and if they can string something together, they could push for top four, but I think title's still out of the question. So, yeah, watch out Watch out for the Blue Boys is what I'm saying, except for Everton. Okay. The Blue Boys. Yeah, is that some good signings. Yeah, Everton's actually, it, it could happen. I feel like that's said every year, <laughs> and then they score 90 own goals in the first well, game. Well, yeah, but, I mean, James Rodriguez is a little bit different than Michael Caine, let's be honest. I mean, it, How so? What, <laughs> fair enough. Give, give me three reasons. <laughs> fair enough. But no, I, I'm actually, I don't want to talk about Everton too much because we'll catch on fire. But uh, it's, <laughs> it is, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, there, it, it is. You just never know what you're going to get as you get into the season when it comes to looking at our our, our, our despised neighbors. Um, it just You just never know. It's like sometimes you go into the year and you're like, wow, they are going to be a train wreck, and they are. And then sometimes you look at it and you're like, wow, maybe they're actually making some good moves, and then they're still a train wreck. So like, it's like what, what version of of train wreck is going to happen and like what are we going to be able to witness with them so anyway um and real, real quick going back to chelsea yes have they actually fixed their problems not really no right. so they've no. they've brought in 
some leadership at center back, but I mean, he, he's Thiago Silva is very good. He's not what he once was, but he's still very mm-hmm. good. And they bought Chilwell, who still kind of a work in progress. Um, so I mean, they they will be better, but considering how far behind us they they were, I mean, it's natural that they were going to get better. So I, it's one of those ones where wait and see. They they're going to mm-hmm. be like ridiculously annoying on FIFA and Pez, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see on like actual on the actual pitch. We'll see. Right. I think Chelsea is going to be like us pre Allison. Like they're going to have to outscore everybody to win. And so you're going to see a lot of four threes, a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, three ones, you know, just like they they got to outscore everybody. Cause that's where they're just, cause they're top heavy. I mean, that's yeah. Keppa is not good enough, but they can't get rid of him. And so, <laughs> right. They just, and they hate him. They oh, absolutely yeah. hate him. <laughs> he hates himself. That's the same really. exact thing that I said to my friend the other day. He asked me about Chelsea, and I sent him like the old Liverpool meme that had like the Ferrari, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. like you know the the city car and the way back like the jalopy. <laughs> Who knows? They could be. They could be awesome. No, they will they be on FIFA. Wonders for that team. Yeah, yeah they will. on FIFA for sure. Um, but yeah. Well, that's a that's a great question, Andrew. Like, have they fixed things? Because you look at the teams that have made the most amount of moves between Chelsea and then a lot of the moves that are being made, like at Manchester United. You know that you look at it and you're like, okay, they're making a lot of moves, but what do any of those moves actually do for them? You know, like look at United and it's like, okay, why are they targeting so many attacking players? Like, why in the world are they trying to go after all these players that obviously don't affix? The issues, and that's one of the things that goes. I always go back to when it comes to our own frustrations with our like lack of movement um, at Liverpool at times in the transfer market is that we at least go after players that we're like we're going to use them. Like we have a purpose for going after them. You know, we don't go after just anyone willy nilly. It's like okay, we're going to go grab a Genie Wijnaldum. And it might take him a year to get adjusted, but once he's adjusted in here, you're going to see just how invaluable, you know, that sort of thing. We're not just buying everyone. It all it, it seems like for a while that was the trend where you bought everybody and then you were successful, Man City. Um, and it seems like we are starting the trend now of you have to be smarter with your purchases once again to actually build a team and not just buy all the other teams so you don't have any competition anymore. <laughs> so I'm one I'm curious to see if that trend keeps going. Um of the uh the smarter purchases working out uh, better. Well I think it's interesting and in, in FSG on that note, FSG has really shown that they are prudent buyers. Mm-hmm. Um I mean Allison was available. They paid what it took to get Allison. Van Dyke, yep. same thing. Like yep. and maybe they waited just a little bit too long. Yeah, but it, again, those are two guys that they looked at and said, these are our targets. Yeah. It's not just, we're going to get another center back, or we're just going to get another go. It was, no, these are the targets we want. Well, yeah. and I think that's that's why maybe we haven't seen Tiago come over yet. It's because, I mean, he's 30, and his contract is up at the, at next year. Like, I could very well see us getting him at Christmas for, like, $12 million or something. You know, but, like, I just... I think if you look at it now, if Genie goes, I think they push it through. Yeah, but yeah. I could kind of have I, to. I think, yeah, but if they if he does, assuming Genie stays, I don't think we see Tiago until Christmas. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that that FSG, despite what Reddit and Twitter would want <laughs> them to be, has shown that they will identify a player and go after him mm-hmm. when it's time like they you know they'll, they'll go after it if, if it has to happen now they'll go like i don't think they wouldn't have let anybody else get van dyke i don't think they wouldn't have let anybody else get allison i think no. they would have bought him right then you know when they were when they were available but the but like you look at united back to your original point like van de beek is good but like is he good because ix was good last season or is he good because he's good you know like like that's a Everybody remembers him from IX's run, but if you also look at him, like he didn't get scooped up like Frankie De Jong did whenever that season was over. I mean, yeah. there's something there that's just kind of interesting with him specifically. I mean, there's a few more 
Um, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how some of those guys play, you know, pan out on those other teams. Yeah, I, I think in the same vein, though, like we, we look at FSG and we say, like, they're willing to do what it takes and get, like, the right players. But at the same time, you look at them and it, I could be wrong, but I, I think they're, they're kind of known as, like, a hard bargain, though. Like, yeah. teams don't really want to negotiate with them because it takes, you know, a really long time and they're willing to wait it out and they're willing to make the player like sit and say, no, I'm not. I only want to join this team, which is almost like not to be negative about it, but it, it's, it's almost just as bad as saying like, we, we aren't going to just go ahead and buy the players for, cause it's like, we don't want to spend the money that, that they're worth in some cases. Yeah. Like, and you if, look at, if you, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, if you just look at, like, the Van Dyke saga, like, that was that was a huge issue, and we almost didn't get them because we wouldn't just, I don't know, like any other team, spend the money and, and do it right in the beginning. But Go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Alex. Uh, when you look at how they buy, where we do have the ones where we're saying, okay, we're going to get this player specifically no matter what, but it's also because they're buying the player profile and that is the only player that fits the profile that they're looking for because conversely you look at something that the Samika deal we were negotiating with Norwich for Jamal Lewis and sadly enough for him Norwich ended up coming down on their asking price for Newcastle but not for us but that comes back to us negotiating we clearly are very kind of direct and don't always come off to the person we're offering to as the most polite, clearly, because we don't always necessarily get the price we want. But once once there was a point where it said, okay, we're not going to reach this deal, what was it, like two days later, that's when we wrapped up the Samikas deal? So we, we, like, we had a list in mind of players mm-hmm. that would play the way that we want to, and yeah. we're going to find the price that we want. And that's, I mean, that seems to be what's holding up the Tiago deal in general. It, it, we're like, it, all the reports say, okay, Tiago and Liverpool have an agreement for a wage deal. All that remains is that Bayern value him at 30 million, Liverpool do not value him at 30 million. And there's not going there's no impasse for that. Liverpool's like would you take 20 million? Bayern are like no, we would not take 20 million. We would like 30 million. And we're like okay, well we'll wait you out then. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening until we like generate revenue from other player sales because I, I mean Lover didn't really bring in that much, but I mean you're looking which at which I'm like, still shocked by. <laughs> But you're looking at, like like Will mentioned earlier, this potential sale of Genie or the reports that we're putting Brewster on the market. That would be something that's saying we're the player profile that we're looking for can, one, only be fit by Tiago, which is probably true because there's not many midfielders out there like Tiago, and two, that we would be willing to sacrifice someone that does something for the team or will do something for the team in the future to get this right now because we know to challenge we would necessarily need that. But there's right. also the case of we might not do that and we think we're fine and he's in that the cost isn't worth what we'd have to give up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of going a little bit back to, uh, if I can interject real fast, um, what you're, Charlie, talking a little bit about um, the profile of player that we go after or like, you know, that's where you start to also see like the heavy influence of Jurgen Klopp. Um, in the way that we conduct transfers is that you start to see how he has a clear cut profile that he's like, Oh, this player will work with what I'm trying to do. So we need to get that either the specific guy or these like two guys that play similar style, you know, like you could see his influence in the way business is conducted, um, which I think uh, a lot of people are um, like myself included. It's, it's easy to forget what sort of influence he has on the business side as well, and only put want to put blame purely on FSG um, and not necessarily want to say, well, maybe also Klopp is saying, like, it's this guy or or nothing, so, like, keep playing hardball. You know, you got it. That's just another thing to also kind of, that I always kind of think about a little bit as well. Well, and I think with Tiago, I would not be shocked if we look back on this hopefully it's a little bit cleaner but this reminds me a lot of the fakir deal mm-hmm. um or oh well the the deal that never that happened but didn't actually happen yeah the 
Fakir was kind of in a similar place, like a flashy, you know, good player, good performance in Europe. You know, not obviously a different player, but similar profile, similar status, maybe in in the in the world football at the time. And then something happened, it didn't work out, you know, whatever. But we went and and shortly thereafter got um, Mina Mina. And I mean, that's, you know, it was a year later, but they're similar profile players. Probably they play attacking mids, you know, that kind of thing. That's obviously what Klopp was looking for. But we also Van Dyke aside and even arguably Allison aside, we're, they not, they're not really keen on the flashy signing. Like Jeannie wasn't Jeannie. Like you look back when we got Jeannie, when we got Robertson, when we got um, Mane, really, I mean, None of those guys at the time, they were good players, but like they're not exactly setting the world on fire mm-hmm. at that point in time either. And I think I think that plays into it too is like who do we find that can develop, you know, max potential and lowest outlay. You know, and it's just it's interesting. It's at I don't know. It's it's just a weird who knows what we can expect. Tiago might sign tomorrow, and all of this will be for nothing. But it's, <laughs> by the so time we, could, yeah. by the time right. we upload the episode, like Tiago's here, and we've we've ditched half the team for some reason, you know. Or actually, when, more more likely, it's by the time we post this episode, some guy that we have never heard of in our lives has been signed by the club, and within a year, we're like, right. what an invaluable signing! It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Yeah, we're gonna get somebody from like. Real Batiste or some crap, and like just out of nowhere. Oh, Fakir. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's this guy named Fakir. <laughs> that must be why I was in my head. Yeah, uh, and like more than most teams, and probably more than any other team, really. Like when we make our transfer dealings, we're very clearly signing the personality as much as the on-field assets. I know Klopp has spoken about it a lot, and I think he's even explicitly said, "If you're a dickhead, I don't want you." So like we're more more than anything. Like, we're looking to see if they're a good culture fit because of what he's created throughout the club. And that kind of, in addition to, like, our very focused approach to who we want in certain areas, like, there, there's so many other factors that have to work out for us to actually pull the trigger and sign somebody. So I, I, I think that's an extra level of evaluation that we do mm-hmm. that probably most other clubs don't necessarily do. Yeah, because I mean, we're better even, than everyone. <laughs> even when you think about it, like, we're, we're mad. But, like, spending, like, even a small transfer, like $5 million, still $5 million. <laughs> 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 like, it's insane that you would spend that much money on a player. And so, like, the FSG's looking at it, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to spend $5 million on this player when I could get this player in baseball for some picks. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> still that, that aspect of, I think, um, them still learning the sport much more so as a uh, sports management company. But I think that's why uh, the, the investment and the uh, participation and involvement of LeBron James is so essential <laughs> to FSG's business dealings. And now a quick message concerning the You'll Never Talk Alone Fantasy League. Can you hear me right now? Yeah. Okay, because one of my AirPods died. Oh. Well, it wasn't the one that was important enough. No. No, it was the left one. It's still alive. Right mm-hmm. one's dead. Left on your side, because you're looking at the screen. Is this... I follow. Should I go Stay- ahead and talk? It's sta- stage left, stage right. I get it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> you ever heard of it? <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Okay, I don't know. So everyone, everyone's gonna die. But <laughs> good news. <laughs> the fantasy Premier League is still gonna be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Link out on the Twitter, in the comments, in the likes, in the subscribes, on Facebook, maybe, I don't know, Instagram, possibly, um, Zoom, 
<laughs> we're just gonna have it on on zoom in general you're just gonna you you look for it you'll find it it's there okay <laughs> it's, on zoom. it's on zoom somewhere <laughs> yeah i don't know where we're gonna put this in the episode this might be the beginning of the episode for all i know but that's our just, plug for joining our fantasy premier league this check season. it out just check it out oh just check it out alex we're gonna put it up on the twitter account no, we're putting it on Zoom. We're putting it on Zoom. <laughs> Make sure that you keep up with us on Zoom, everybody. YNTA podcast. You'll see a link somewhere. Somewhere. You'll see it on your Outlook calendar as we invite you to the Zoom meetings for the Fantasy Premier League. It's going to be like a 15-second Zoom meeting of us reading out the link. All right, type it in, everyone. <laughs> there it is, PremierLeague.com slash fantasy. No, I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to read all the points. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why they scored, who scored. Well, I, think I think we know why they scored. It's their jobs, Andrew. <laughs> well, it could be a tackle. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, I got it. I got it. Oh, man. Okay, that's all you need. If that doesn't entice you to join our Fantasy uh, Premier League league, then you're in an idiot. 2020, 2020. For more details on how to join the YNTA Fantasy League, check out our Twitter account at YNTA Podcast. And now, back to the episode. I, I had this question that I was going to uh, say for. Uh, I want to step or two down the line, but I want to bring it up now and send it over to Will in particular. Because since we've been talking about some transfers and roster moves, that sort of thing. Will, you, you kind of in passing mentioned that you were pulling up the team roster, the team sheet beforehand, um, to kind of refresh yourself on some of the uh, some of the names and faces that uh, that we've come to know and love. And then some of the new people that we don't know a thing about. Um, you look at that roster, it seems like every year for the past few years we've kind of had um we've kind of had like the moat mvp of the team transfer every single year like we joke oh yeah mo salah was a one-year wonder what right ha 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 but at the same time like mo salah has not been the most important player on the team since his you know uh, outstanding you know score when he wants sort of year you know you can say at Sadio Mane has been uh, super important, you know, all of that sort of. When you look at this this team, if you had it, if you will, now being our expert on the roster, <laughs> the most, the one to have Googled it most recently. <laughs> if you were gonna pick someone that you think might be kind of the uh, the star of the team this upcoming season, if you had to do it, hmm. who do you think you'd go with? I know it's a lot to put you on the spot, but... Well, so I have, like, the star of the team. It's... There's so many. <laughs> like, it's the whole team. It's so hard to pick. Right. I, I said this a couple of years ago. I know you all remember it because you hang on my every word. Mm -hmm. But Fabinho, I said a few years ago that he was going to be our most important player that season. Maybe he wasn't that particular season. But his we cried out for a defensive mid for like 20 years and we yeah. finally got him. I think, I mean, you got Allison, you got Van Dyke, you got Salah, you've got all these people that, you know, make the team tick. But Fabinho has, since he laid down that starting role as the six from Henderson, I guess like 18 months ago or so, he's been rock solid. He's a really great player. I think he might have a standout season. Other people might say Kata, but, Fabinho's the glue, and I think he's going to have a great season. I will say that I think Minamino and also Curtis Jones will both have breakout seasons this year. I'm, I'm excited to watch both of them. Yeah, I'm really curious to see the involvement of, of Cujo in particular um, going forward because he, he really seemed to show a lot of the characteristics of what we like and expect in our senior team, like midfielders. Um, so I'm really curious to see his involvement in particular. But uh, I'm going to uh, file away your words to memory, as I always do. Like you said, I hang on your every word. And uh, we're going to we're gonna revisit this topic a little bit, but I like it. I like it. All right. I just had to throw you. 
under the bus real quick. Um, let's do that to Andrew now. Andrew. Um, <laughs> uh, no, not nearly as harsh, but we talked to just a little bit before we hit record on uh, when we we're going over a list of topics. And one of the things that came up was this start to the season that we have on our schedule. Um, obviously opening up against Leeds. Um, Leeds not necessarily being the most intimidating team in the world, but, you know, they are um, a, uh, a storyline that a lot of people have been able to get behind. You know, the final return, um, finally getting back to the Premier League and, and you know, kind of the, the underdog story that they are. You know, that's one of them. But follow that up instantly with Chelsea, the, the team that's been throwing the money around like crazy. After that, Arsenal. After that, somebody. After that, Everton. Um, sorry, I don't have much respect for Aston Villa. I don't know why, <laughs> but they're just one of those teams that I just, I just, I look at them. I'm just like this. They mean nothing to me. Um, Villa, and then you know Everton, um, and then even after that, Sheffield, who had opportunities last season to be one of the uh, the better. Uh, teams in the league and kind of fell off a little bit towards the end, but still were quite respectable. I mean, like that's that's quite a stretch to open things up. Uh, what's your take on on our chances of uh, asserting asserting ourselves early on, dominating the league early on, even, or just how we're going to compete against those teams, Andrew? Kind of worried about it, just with the way that we ended last season. Um, a, a fair point, you know, an absolutely like, fair point. Yeah. That could definitely be some fatigue, and we were we had already closed it out. We had won the, you know, won the league, but uh, but like we were going for for all those records, and we didn't just meet expectations. So going into this season, I'm a little bit worried, but I'm I'm glad that we open up with leads, even though like they they were they were great in the championship last year, like they. They've got some really good players. Calvin Phillips is already starting on, you know, for England before he's even playing for playing in the Premier League. Like they're they're going to be a, a decent team, but it's their first Premier League game, and then we go to or then we play Chelsea, and Chelsea has like a you know a mod podge of all these different <laughs> players that they brought in. It's a it's in, a weird assortment of players, right? Like I know we talked about them buying and, and spending so much money and bringing in all these. It's also a weird group of players. It's just like who knows how they're all going to fit together. There's not a long preseason for all of them to come together and play. Like I, I'd be more worried if they start the same team that they played at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Like if they're starting you know, Pulisic and Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, I'm more worried about that than than them actually playing all these new signings because whether or not those new signings are great, like, they've never played in the Premier League. They've never played all together. So, like, getting those two games in, I think it's going to be really helpful. I think we can, you know, we won't have Henderson, so that's going to be a worry. But... I hadn't seen that. I thought is he not is he out this weekend? Um, I, I he might be back for Chelsea. I don't think he's going to play this weekend. I know he hasn't. He's, he hasn't texted me in a little bit. <laughs> sure. He's been in. He's been in training. Um, you know, saw him doing some keepy ups the other day. But he's. I don't think we're we're going to just off the bat play him when whenever we're playing uh, a team that's coming up from the championship. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah, getting those two games underneath our belt, it's going to be really helpful. But again, like I, I'm worried. I I don't know what happened at the end of last season. Maybe they just didn't care as much. But it seems like something wasn't like that desire wasn't there. Yeah, and I exactly. There's there were so many. I don't know if rumors are the right word, but so much speculation about like what was going on with the team and how like maybe they didn't ever actually care about records and it just was finally lifting the trophy, like actually claiming the title was all that mattered. So once it was done, they they were like, okay, like we've achieved that, which I would totally understand. Um, 
but yeah, there are still some question marks about, okay, have we addressed some of the, um, the fatigue, some of the, the, I mean, just bizarreness of the end of the season. I guess that there's any like consolation to be had here with starting with Chelsea so early on, who has been trying to make a lot of moves to become like a contender instantly. They're under much more pressure to prove and validate those moves um, than Liverpool is to prove or validate anything right now because it, we're still defending Premier League champions. You know, Chelsea's going to come into that match going, okay, this is our chance to say, yeah, we just brought in all these players and now, like, this is um, going to prove that we are contenders. And uh, Liverpool, you know, we, on the other hand, are going to be able to look at it and say, we know we're contenders. We're not having to prove that. We just have to quiet you down, shut you up a little bit. <laughs> so I think, I think that's this is... Oh, go ahead. No, that was it. I, that, I was literally just going to say, I think that's, that'll play into things. I was just going to add, I think this is when you want to play Chelsea, right? Mm-hmm. It's early. Um, even if it is, even if it is at Stamford Bridge, like this is, you want to kind of kick them in the nards early <laughs> before they get time to settle in. It was such a, a childish term and it makes me happy every single time somebody <laughs> says kick them in the nards. Oh man. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. This this would be the time to jump on it and and try to prove that they're not making the right signings. They're not there yet. They're not on our level yet. Our level. Not Just us- remind them that they still have Keppa. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they still have Keppa. Um, and I mean, maybe like last year, the whole goal was like, let's prove that we will we're the best team in the Premier League. And, like, that's why we kind of let our foot off the gas. And, like, maybe this year it's, like, we are the best team in the world. And we're just going to go out in both competitions and, like, come out swinging. Yeah. So maybe we'll have that motivation. I don't know. I'm not Klopp. (laughs) Right, exactly. I could be, but I'm not. I've I've seen you manage uh, the YMCA, the local YMCA. (laughs) And just, you know, YMCA Klopp. I've always said it. The YMKA, Young Men's Clop Association, when Andrew's around. That's what I've called it. All right, so let's take a a quick look at the weekend itself. (laughs) Uh, Let's look at the weekend itself um, and then get to our our relegation predictions. But um, Alex leads fresh, fresh off a return to the Premier League. Uh, So much excitement and hype and and heartwarmingness surrounding them as uh the the true like um lovable scrappy we finally back here sort of story um or whatever and uh but what do we actually get out of this team like when we look at uh what they bring to the table what do we actually know about leads going into this opening weekend alex um They've got an insane, lovable man as their manager. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the meeting of the minds of Klopp and Bielsa because I don't think it's ever happened before, and they're two kind of stalwarts of the game, of the modern game, and it will be very interesting to see them clash. Um, it's com- it's We're going to be coming up uh, almost against like a South American style of how we initially played when Klopp came in with the high pressing, the lots of energy, uh, the quick counters, the quick transitions. Uh, They've got players that fit really well into that style. They found the core group. Um, I mean, overall in the season, the lack of 46 matches should definitely help them since they, they found a way to make their level more sustainable because they had a couple times even before Bielsa, and then like when he first came, they were dominating, and then they just became exhausted. So that's that's something we don't really have to worry about yet because it's the first game of the season. Um, so, but it will be very intense. Uh, I think this will probably, especially with Henderson, probably not fit enough to start. This will be a game for Naby. This will be a game for Genie. This will be a game for press-resistant midfielders, someone to be able to turn out a pressure get rid of it quickly because we're going to have to to move quickly there while they may be compact they're not going to be uh, a type that like parks the bus and gets in our way they're going to come out to play which can favor us but they 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 all know their jobs they've added some quality it'll be interesting to see if rodrigo plays because despite his lack of 
killer instinct. He is like a intensity machine up there, and he links the play together. So there, there will be some danger, but I mean, it, we're a really, really, really good team, and they are recently promoted. So however good they have been, this is a whole different level than what they're used to. So it's going to be really I- intriguing and hopefully not as garbage as most opening weekend matches are because as fun as it is to have the league back, usually all of the first games are absolutely terrible. So this one, given the short break, should be a little bit better. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about is whether some teams will be able to come out a little bit uh, fresher because of the short break. Uh, Any chance, Alex, and then give us a scoreline prediction, but uh, any chance here you think of of Leeds uh, pulling anything resembling a Sheffield of last season? And uh, not and exceeding expectations. Uh, I don't think so because I feel like there's a lot more expectation on them than there was of Sheffield. Like I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, they play in really interesting style. It'll be a shame to see them go down mm-hmm. immediately." But uh, I, I don't. <laughs> it, they were helped a bit by everyone else in the league sucking for the most part, uh, and them actually having any sort of cohesion because that seemed to be all it took to do anything good in the league last year is to have like a game plan and be able to stick to it. But I I think they will probably meet expectations. I I think they'll probably finish mid table leads the season mid table, maybe uh, a outside chance of pushing for the last Europa league spot when it inevitably goes to seventh place. Um, But don't think it'll be hard to match Sheffield's output, but where they finish, that will probably be where Leeds finishes. Cool. All right. Give us a, uh, a scoreline prediction then, sir. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit uncomfortable for a large majority of it, but I feel like we're going to just kind of explode towards the end, and it will be a 3-1 victory because we don't keep that many clean sheets anymore. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, when we got around to pretty, I was going to say, that's we're kind of getting back into that thing where it's like, we're going to give up one goal for no reason. And that's just yeah. how it is. But, oh, well. All right, Andrew, your expectations for the opening match um, out of our Reds and give us a scoreline prediction, sir. Um, Expectations. Um, You know, I think Leeds is going to benefit from a lot of our players going off on international duty. I think that um, we're going to be used to playing against their style and, and they're not obviously going to be used to be used to playing against a, a team of Liverpool's caliber. But um, I think that they're going to be ready for it. They're going to be excited. It's going to be their first game in the Premier League. They're going to come out guns a-blazing, and it is going to crush them. Um, <laughs> they are just going to be so excited to play. I, I, they'll, they'll probably be super excited, super nervous. They're going to play exactly how they did against those chump championship teams, and we're going to come out and just dominate on possession and probably win like one to nothing. <laughs> We're just going to have trouble scoring for no reason because that's how we've been as of late. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Will, what you got? What are your expectations? What's your scoreline prediction? I don't know. Other other than Bielsa is the coach, I don't know much about Leeds, just to be honest. Um, I Sheffield is a pleasant surprise. Hopefully Leeds will become a pleasant surprise in week two but week <laughs> one uh i just don't i mean, I mean like it, you look at the blackpool game like we kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit and we said okay all right and then we hung seven on them like it's not i don't really see us having too much i recognize blackpool is not the same but i don't really see us having too much trouble um three one they, they'll score first We'll come back and destroy him. I like it. I like it. I I want to dream up some sort of like um, Hulk Hogan joining the NWO sort of like storyline for James Milner and Leeds, but Millie's just too he's too good of a man 
to ever betray anybody and put on a Leeds kit like in the middle of the match, like score an own goal and put on a Leeds kit. It would never happen. I want trying to dream something like that up because I think it'd be funny. But it seems blasphemous to speak ill of James Milner in any sort of way, even in a purely facetious way. So um, I think that uh, we're going to beat him. 3-0 James Milner hat trick then. I think that's the only uh, the, the only way to atone for my sins is to say that, that uh, that's going to happen. He's going to jump in in, uh, in a relief role for about the last 30, 35 minutes of the match and get three goals. <laughs> there we go. That's my prediction. You can tell I'm getting tired. All right. So now let's look at the uh, predictions for the season as a whole. And speak a little bit about who we think gets relegated. So we used to try to talk a little bit about like the newly promoted teams and like who we thought would stay up and who would go down. It, I just don't even have like the desire to try to talk about who's going to stay up because I don't know enough about any of these newly promoted teams. So let's look instead at who's going to go back down and back down alone that's our only topic here all right so uh alex i gotta jump back to you being the uh the the top of the order the speaking order but who do you think uh gets relegated this year man uh these are our bundesliga predictions right oh my god we made it this long in the podcast without you making any bundesliga references and now you had to drop it on me uh, yeah, because I don't want to talk about these just terrible teams. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it, as valiantly as Slavin Village will fight, I think West Brom will be going straight back down because they're the ultimate yo-yo club, uh, along with their yo-yo club counterpart, Fulham. I think they, they just they suck. Uh, Tim Ream has a chance to come in and defend his title of worst defender in the league. <laughs> and I think he will take that with both hands, which is illegal in soccer. So, I, <laughs> but not will, for him. He doesn't, he doesn't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Aston Villa—they—they're just garbage. Uh, although I do give kudos to them for retaining the Kappa kits, and I think that will hurt Leeds a lot—is not having the Kappa kits anymore. They're not going to know what to do with the extra wind resistance of not having a jersey that is absolutely skin tight. So we'll we'll see how they adjust to that. Uh, Andrew, you have uh, some predictions you'd like to throw out on who gets relegated? I mean, I was I was literally going to say the same three. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, none of them are going to be good enough. I don't really know what to say. Aston Villa, like, Grealish isn't going to be able to help them much. He's going to give up. He's done. Retired. He's like, fuck, <laughs> fuck this team, I'm leaving. Like, y'all, y'all figure it out yourself. I'm done saving you. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, maybe, and sorry, Zach, maybe Brighton. I predicted them to go down last year. Um, and, I mean, they they tried for a while to go down, yeah. but eventually they fixed yeah. it. But I predicted them to go down got last year. Close. Got real close. Will, who you got? Fulham for sure. Um, West Brom, and um, I'm gonna say City. <laughs> I think. West Ham actually sucks and could well I'll throw a, a curveball. I don't think they'll go down, but I wish they would. They're the worst team in the league. <laughs> the worst team in the league. <laughs> I I hate them worse than Palace. I mean my God. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't I I'm with you, Will. I want to pick West Ham to go down so badly. But ev- I've I've tried I've picked them multiple times years ago on the podcast, like years in a row. We I'm both like, well, this- picked them last year. We both picked them last year. I've always been like, this is the year. I mean, they're they're just so bad. It has to happen. This is the year, and they just won't do it. So I can't pick them. <laughs> I just can't do it this year because I can't get my hopes up that we'll finally no, I- get rid of West Ham. 
I, I think it's. I was joking. I wish it would be West Ham. I think it's going to be Villa. I, I think it's Fulham, West Brom, and Villa for sure. It's. I wish, if we could relegate four, West Ham, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to to differentiate um, from that those predictions as well, uh, because like I, I mean, I feel like West Ham has a chance. I I, I think maybe. Brighton this time around might have enough going for them where they might be able to ride a little bit of momentum, but I I just can't tell. But I I feel like they're more of like a tenth or eleventh place team um, now that they've gotten Adam Lalana. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I think that they're they're a couple of spots higher, but you know not actually pushing into the top ten at all this year. Um, but you, I mean, if you just look at it. It's like I don't even know. Who else? I look at this list and I'm like, oh yeah, they're definitely fodder for going down. Um, for the most part, there's a lot of names on in the Premier League this year that you look at and you're like, they could be just good enough to avoid it. Um, yeah, but then, there's like the top six, and then everyone else could get relegated reasonably. Yeah, exactly. Like last year, we talked a little bit about. Uh, he was like, here's the top six, here's the middle of the pack. Then here's like the six or seven teams that are fighting to avoid relegation. This year it's much going back to the the tried and true Premier League tradition of here's the few teams that could compete for a title and here's everyone else that's going to be one step away from being relegated every week. <laughs> Yay. Um, so it's hard, it's hard for me to look at uh, the list and, and go with anyone other than uh, West Brom, um, Fulham, and, uh, and Aston Villa. Um, Fulham in particular, I hate it for my boys that play at my ancestral home ground of Craven Cottage, but <laughs> you know, can't see them staying up. Well, there we go. With, since we all are kind of like largely in agreement um, on uh, on what's going to happen here, I wonder if this is going to make it so that we actually remember to revisit this topic later <laughs> on in the season. Doubt it, but I guess we'll find yeah. out. <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to be so uninterested. Um, in a little while here when we're talking about how um, James Milner is playing 90 minutes a match again um, at, left at left back and is just dropping goals left and right, and we have no explanation for it other than he's like he switched the tea that he drinks and now it's giving him superpowers or something. So looking forward to that. It's going to be a good year, guys. I'm excited to uh, – it was weird – the big wait, the big pause before we could finish the season. Um, I'm glad that we did finish the season just so there wouldn't have to be any like stupid debates about you know, the season being called prematurely or whatever. Um, but it been weird to have such a short offseason without any chance to really like recover, to celebrate and, and all of that. I'm looking forward to a year-long celebration of what we accomplished in this past season as the reigning and defending Premier League champions. And I'm looking forward to uh, being able to uh, chat with you guys again about it after we took a couple of weeks off here on the podcast. So you guys um, want to put on some, some masks, get together about like, you know, 10 feet apart from each other and watch a match sometime soon. I'm in. Let's do it. It's the way to do it. It's the way to do it. All right, thank you for joining us, dear listener, on this, our uh, our start of the 2020-2021 season. This is also my favorite season in general because it just sounds like someone forgetting to move forward as they're talking 2020-2021 season. Um, we are looking forward to another good year in the life of, uh, of Liverpool Football Club and, uh, and of this uh, terrible podcast. So with that, I think it's only right that we hand it over to our dear friend, Mr. Andrew Ainsworth, to sign us out on this, our first episode of the 2020-2021 season. Andrew, take it away, sir. The final and first episode of the 2020-2021 season, because after Saturday, there's not going to be any more games. <laughs> no one's going to be able to play ever again. I just want to say thanks to everybody person maybe one guy who ever listened to this because after this we're gonna have like two years of soccer where there's not actually any soccer there's just gonna be like silence and 
football where everyone's dying on American <laughs> football fields because everyone's just got coronavirus and it's just like really gonna be sucky and it's gonna be sad and like we're not gonna have any more we're gonna have to stream it all and the world is just going to put them all put them all put them all thanks for listening <laughs>